0: and welcome to the TV Kids Summer Festival. I'm Anna Karugati, Editor-at-Large at at TV Kids. Today, I have the great pleasure of leading a discussion about fast channels for young viewers and families. Joining me are Lara Ilie from Wild Brain and David B. Williams from Pocket Watch. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I think the term fast channels is appropriate because the business is moving so quickly, but I thought we could take a step back first to a little bit of context and when did you first started uh, making your content available on fast channels? and what were your first learnings? And whoever wants to go first go right ahead.
1: We had some content uh, available on Pluto and to be from the very beginning, but that was uh, not an active business uh, for us and it only really started uh, being active in um, spring of 2019. And that's when we were approached by Roku and uh, they wanted to launch with some of our content um, for their kids and family um, offering within the Roku channel. So at that time, we did um, um, some content for AVOD and by December of that year, they uh, came back and said, we would be launching this fast channels, would you be interested? And funny story, at that time, the two channels that we launched with were Revan Roll and Rainbow Ruby, two properties that were premiering in the U.S. at the time. They just came uh, fresh from production, and they only had 26 half hours uh, to uh, schedule. And there were two individual single IP channels. And they were very successful to this day, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find partners that would... Uh, Uh, green light channels with just 26 half hours of premier content in today's world. Um, Since then, uh, we have increased the number of channels with Roku. We have uh, 12, 13 on the way and about 58 and counting um, across U.S. and Europe. And um, so... I guess you, you can definitely say that things are moving fast. Um, to, to this point, another uh, thing that's uh, quite uh, interesting, and I was just thinking about this, is at the time we've only really looked at this business as being revshare business, and it was Avod fast as Vod, but we really looked at it as revshare. Since then, and I guess the perfect example is the meeting today. The meeting today is not about RevShare; it's about Fast. The world has changed, and now the conversation has to rely more on the right rather than the method of payment, which is you know something that uh, we're looking into because that allows us to be nimble. It allows us to make uh, decisions quickly and experiment.
0: David, Pocket Watch was also an early mover in this area. So take it away. When did you start? And what did yeah, you learn from it? We
2: actually we started in 2018. I think Zumo was our first platform um, where we launched our first channel with hundred hours of content uh, that we um developed with our creator partners. We are in this really unique space where we've got access to, it's up to like 28,000 hours of programming from our, our YouTube creator partners. It's like having, you know, 40 plus producer stringers out there producing for us every day. Um, and we have a different kind of, you know, I think approach than some other businesses. Maybe Wildbrain has a similar approach, wherein we're really a franchise company. And so we always say we want to be everywhere kids are. Right. We've got a lot of content distribution. We're on 40 plus platforms all, all across the world, both you know, our own unoperated channels and our fast channels as well as through other other parties. Um, but we also have games and we've got toys and other types of consumer products, and we have an SPOD service. Um, and so for us it's it's so much about being where kids are, is like what we like to say, being everywhere kids are and Having an opportunity, a platform for really exemplifying our brand voice and putting our our properties and our creator brands out there. And we saw how fast was really surging and saw that as an opportunity, especially when you think about it from the standpoint of an electronic program guide where there are limited slots in a sense. And so we felt that the real estate was really important and we wanted to, to be there. We knew this was a growing sector. Um, so a lot of those early days were just about the hustle of getting the content out there, figuring out how to do the programming, um, expanding to as many platforms as we could, at least you know the ones that we felt were really viable and aligned with us. Uh, and in fact, we're on 10 platforms now. Um, and uh you know there wasn't i don't you know when it comes to the early learnings, you know, I think we learned a lot about uh, we certainly learned about about what the revenue looked like and what the engagement looked like um, and you know we we saw that it would be a bit of a um you know it's a it's a low margin business to start, but we see those economics getting better and better as the as the industry grows. Um and that it's just, you know, I think we never anticipated when we got into this business that we would be launching and programming 24-7 linear channels. And so just building the infrastructure and figuring out how to do that and doing it in a very economic way was sort of the big challenge at first.
0: Pardon the pun. Fast forward to today. <laughs> how, how do the fast channels complement your other distribution outlets?
2: As I mentioned before, you know, we've recently been gaining tremendous momentum with our SVOD services, just one example. And so now we have we have two fast channels. One of them is in a sense, a companion to our SVOD. And the economics on the SVOD channel are frankly, a lot better than they are on the fast channels. Um, And so we look at the fast channels in a lot of ways as a platform for driving awareness and excitement about our SBOD platform, but then also our other business, uh, our other businesses, the consumer products and the games and and all of that. And we really believe, and by the way, it also helps create, um, we think kind of market enthusiasm for all of our brands and uh, all of our lines of business. So when we go to Hulu, for example, where we just um, vastly increased our our programming, I think we we expanded twelve new we brought them twelve new shows recently, like three hundred and fifty new episodes of content, which we're really excited about. Um, we think you know fasts contribute to the market understanding of the quality and the uh, popularity of our content. And that um, brings benefits to those other types of sales that we do down the line.
1: For us, we have a slightly different business model, um, which relies heavily on our vast catalog of titles. Um, And so we have... Uh, really focused on uh, single IP channels. That's uh, what we have uh, basically across the board for now. Um, And I would say we have a very healthy dynamic with our distribution arm, and that's uh, a very natural uh, simply based on the fact that uh, you'll have a hard time to find a, a traditional broadcaster willing to buy 365 episodes of Teletubbies and air. Uh, All those uh, episodes. So that left us with a lot of our uh, beloved uh, uh, franchises that they found a new home in uh, in the fast world. And not only they found it, but it thrived in uh, in in this world.
2: That's a really good point, actually. One of one of our mandates as a company is, you know, we feel like we're in a fairly unique space in the creator economy. And the opportunity to bring creator brands that only have existed on YouTube into these much more premium environments and fast. One of the cool things about these fast channels is we, you know, they look and feel like traditional television. So from the parent optics and from the sort of market, you know, business to business optics, it really elevates the sort of quality and perception versus just being on YouTube. And so it's a really important part of our value proposition to the creator community as well, to be able to bring creator content into this uh, environment and, you know, doing it with like, you know, we develop all these really cool interstitials and stuff that really help kind of create that sort of gloss on the, on all of these brands. Um and then I think windowing is also an interesting component of this too, where, you know, I, I'm curious, Lara, how you guys look at that, but, um, but we think, you know, FAST FAS creates this, this really interesting opportunity to sort of eventize launches and, and um, uh, you know, bring shows to market in a really exciting way that um, can be part of a, of a broader life cycle for our programming.
1: For us, windowing is, is a bit different. It uh, mostly um, touches on uh, the new iteration of a property that, uh, let's say, was very successful on a fast channel that um, uh, prompted a new commission. Uh, of that same property and um so that obviously will have a first window with the commissioning partner and then one uh those rights uh or the whole back expires it can populate the very channel that uh that brand sits on um so yeah we 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 play with the with the windows uh, as well
0: just to be clear are are you providing both companies? are you providing m- mainly library and known brands? Or are you also offering fast channels newer titles by default, the idea of a fast
1: channel in today's world requires a lot of volume and requires uh, properties that are very well known to begin with so the two are. Uh, again, naturally uh, um, uh, filled by known franchises that are somewhat older um so it's it's hard I'm not saying we're not gonna get there particularly if we're talking about uh umbrella channels. So let's say uh, we're going to put together and we're actually working on this uh, like a preschool or a baby channel. Then that opens up uh, the window to all sorts of opportunities and new content that we can put up. But for the time being, the business was focused on single IP channels.
2: For us, we think about Fast as a way to exemplify these creator brands. Um, Absolutely, Uh 100% agree with you, Lara, like the... um, You know, the built-in audience and the built-in brand awareness uh, is a really important part of the success here. Um, And we've done something that's a little bit that cuts against the grain of the industry in the sense that we have our channel Ryan and Friends. Now, Ryan is, in a lot of ways, the poster child for what we do. You know, he's the one, he's the, the face everybody knows. but. You know, our other other creators are really well aligned. We see tremendous overlap in audience between Ryan and and some of those other creators like Diana and Toys and Colors and just a whole uh, portfolio. And so uh, rather than do a single property channel, we set up Ryan and Friends and with the philosophy that the Ryan Halo will we'll, we'll allow him to be sort of an ambassador to this creator world for the audiences. Um, and I think that's worked out really well. So it, there's a lot of Ryan on Ryan and friends, but actually the the share of viewership now, and this was you know in a lot of ways by design has has really balanced out to be sort of 50/50 between Ryan and, and his friends. In fact, I think the, the friends piece actually exceeds Ryan on some uh, in some measures. And um and then in terms of library, it's true that when we have a new show that we um, you know, that that wouldn't be considered library in, in effect from our standpoint, it hasn't been widely distributed yet. We will probably premiere that new show either with a third or on our own SVOD. That's become a really great model for us, is premiering shows on our SVOD service, giving them a nice exclusivity window there. But what we might do is in 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 parallel run sort of promotional episodes in on our fast service as a way to help sort of generate awareness and excitement of that show. Um, and that's, you know, a, a strategy that we really like. And we'll also work in tandem with syndication partners at the same time. Uh, and there's some really cool models there where, you know, we've 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 made some uh, arrangements where we get sort of some committed promotion and exchange for a little exclusivity window on the on the avod side for example um, so there's some really great things you can do to sort of launch shows and and fast can be an important ingredient in that
0: While the U.S. has far more fast channels than other countries, predictions are that fast will grow everywhere. How does this impact discoverability of shows and brands? And how do you see the more international market?
1: Yes, you're totally right. There's uh, considerably more fast channels in the U.S. versus Europe. Um, But in having looked at how Europe seems to shape up, uh, they will, you know, uh, rather soon catch up. Uh, the difference, though, I think, is that the fast channels in U.S., which started and still reside within the CTVs and uh, within the free app, free AVOD apps, free apps, um has a different home than they seem to be having in Europe. Uh, it, it to me it just feels that the concept has been proved to work in the US in this medium. And now Europe is taking an already baked-in concept and making it available as an option to already well established local broadcasters who have their own sites and they put fast channels on their sites, which is a completely different. Um, method of exploitation uh, than how it started in the US. So uh, the rights are exactly the same, but the implementation is probably going to be different. And that's not to say that the CTVs of the world are not going to try to get their market share in Europe as well. They are, but if you think about it, uh, a TF1 or a, a ITV is going to has already a built-in uh, a audience and 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 uh, advertising. So if they're going to launch fast channels within their own experience. For sure, they're going to have more viewers than uh, anyone that's entering the market uh, um, fresh. Um, and in terms of discoverability, um, my thinking is, um, and again, speaking more to the U.S., because that's a more established uh, market, um, fast in itself, it started to solve a problem. And that problem was the fact that it took you half an hour to figure out what you wanted to watch, being AVOD or SVOD. And so when they came with this new concept, it made it so much easier for people to actually find something quickly and uh, move on and actually watch content. Uh Because it was so successful, now the number of channels has expanded and for the most part, they kind of sit around 350 per platform, uh, various genres, so it does span across uh, a lot of genres. Uh, they, It seems to me that that's kind of where it, the number uh, stopped and in my view it's not going to stop there it's just a matter of time for the platforms to fine tune their search engines so once that search engine is is going to become better and is going to make it much easier to find the channel that you want to watch the number of channels is probably going to go up while it stays at 350 or Around 350. The one thing I've noticed is uh, a certain um, uh, quality. Um, so the ones that don't perform well, we're probably going to be sunset. New ones that are going to perform better are going to be harnessed. So you know, it's going to be uh, again a, a very organic way of uh, making it a better experience uh, overall.
2: It's a, it's an incredibly fluid environment i mean both domestically and internationally and i i agree i think international is um is in a much more nascent state and it's a big challenge um it's a challenge for us we don't have like a big international sales force but we are on a number of fast channels internationally uh fast platforms um we're in the uk we're in australia um uh you know, we obviously are in some some North American markets too, uh, outside of the U.S. Um, and we do see it as a huge opportunity. I think there is tremendous growth there. And I think that there are a lot of a lot of players in the space, both on the platform side, as well as on the provider side, um, people who are kind of our back end play out providers who are looking to make it easier to bring fast channels to a broader audience internationally and part of that is is working out the economics because the the ad markets aren't uh as lucrative necessarily as they as they are domestically and so that that adds an additional challenge and for us look localization is a challenge um you know there's once you get outside of English and maybe Spanish I think you know, the economics start getting kind of challenging for us in terms of justifying that quantity because a fast channel really needs pretty pretty deep catalog to to be successful um, so to localize that quantity in in other specific languages can be a challenge economically too but we're really excited about it we do think there's tremendous headroom and the momentum in 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 the states is indicative of what's probably, going to be happening internationally. So we're leaning in and taking those opportunities where
0: they make sense. All right. Now let's get to the meat of the conversation. Uh, what are the revenue models available, uh, on fast channels? My, um, again, you two are the experts, but I think there's, there, there's more than a couple.
2: There are, they've been expanding a little bit, at least in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, how we've been engaging with some of our partners, uh, recently, um, I think when it started, look, when it started from our perspective, there were really two basic models. There was a rev share and an inventory share. We actually have a really healthy and growing ad business. Um, uh, We've got this, terrific opportunity where we can work with our creator providers and their YouTube channels and create custom content. And then we have direct sales rights into YouTube and YouTube kids. So we can kind of build these great media plans around custom content. And then we can extend those media plans into, into our fast inventory and our other OTT inventory. So it gives us kind of a great engine to monetize in inventory and, and, Uh, You know, I think it's fair to say that monetizing kids' inventory is a bit of a specialist. It's a bit of a niche uh, capability. Um, And so that also makes it more challenging generally. Um, But it also means that there's opportunities for people who do specialize like we do in there. So we were really going pretty deep in inventory shares where we could get them. And we feel like that's, especially in the long term, where the biggest opportunity is. A lot of platforms don't want to do inventory shares, even the ones that haven't necessarily built up a big kid sales capability. Um, uh, So you kind of limp along a little bit with with a a rev share that, you know, ends up not being the greatest yield in the world. (laughs) Um, And then there have been some uh, sort of more outlier type of cases. We're actually going to be extending uh, our channels in a, in a new way with a new platform where we're gonna get um, essentially carriage fees. Um, so it'll be part of a subscription tier and it, it'll actually be ad free. So technically technically not fast, but we'll be looking at subscriber fees, um, which is terrific, a um, bit more predictable, less seasonal. Um, and we've actually even done fixed fee licenses, um, and that was in, in an international territory because again, those international economics can be super challenging. So they know that doing fixed fee might be the best way to get the channel going. Lara, did I cover them all or you got some new ones?
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, there are basically three models that we've, um, um, moved back and not back and forth, but we've utilized on various, uh, uh, platforms, uh, the inventory share, the rev share, and on some occasions uh license fees and there's uh specific reasons why we choose one or the other um, uh, for a specific content on for specific uh platform um from my perspective um and we also have our own ad sales team uh, that um, has been focusing on selling uh, our YouTube content, um, the, the one that's managed by Spark. And now, uh, obviously, are looking into, um, um, you know, selling the CTV ads uh, from our fast channels, Um The one thing that's very important for us, um, and that's why we're very careful when we choose, is access to analytics. So the revenues model that we choose come hand in hand with certain perks or disadvantages. So when we choose one or the other, we need to be very careful as to, you know, which one we're choosing. Even I, and and from my own perspective, I've found that um, when it comes to license fees, they they do their math pretty well so uh it's um somewhat in keeping to uh what we would have made ourselves uh if if we were to go on a on a RevShare partnership internationally outside of US I totally agree with you David that's a different conversation that's a, um you know a, a much harder um attempt uh, on our side to to go Rev share
0: Is there sufficient data available from fast channels? And I think data comes in different categories, uh, who's watching and uh, advertising uh, impressions as well. Is that also a part of the fast channel industry that needs to develop further? I think it's, uh, from my point of
1: view, um, it's obviously great because we didn't have any to begin with in the Netflix and traditional um, um, broadcasting world. So, Anything is great, but it's not just anything. It's um, I, I find that um, the, the information that we're get, getting are quite uh, um, substantial. Um, there are a few drawbacks, in my opinion. Uh, one would be standardization. So not everybody's reporting on the same metrics, which makes it difficult to analyze. Um, and also uh, from the point of view of actually putting it together because they're uh, provided in various different ways, might be a dashboard, might be an Excel, might be all sorts of uh, uh, different ways. So if you need to quickly make a decision on something, you need to put aside a good chunk of time to go through everything uh, to, to be able to, um, you know, draw a conclusion. And that's something we should be we need to work on and, and, and find a in-house solution for.
2: Yeah, the standardization like, you know, this industry grew up really fast <laughs> um and so everyone seemed to go their own way with respect to analytics literally every single platform is its own unique beast and um we we invested you know substantially frankly in some proprietary tools to help normalize the data and give us like a really great consolidated view of our whole network and and you know to lara's point like it's great to get the data. Um, it's sure some of it is hard to interpret and the definitions are all over the map and, you know, some give you more than some give you less, but the insights into your programming, I mean, you're to get that direct audience um, context is just so invaluable. We use it Constantly to make decisions uh, and and are surprised, not infrequently um, and so it's it's a really important part of the business.
0: And we touched on this earlier, but just to go back to it for a moment, um, and this is for both of you obviously um, can fast channels uh, build awareness of IP and help drive other businesses, whether it be licensing or merchandising or whatever else you have, which is quite a bit.
2: Oh yeah, I mean that's our whole, you know, that's kind of our whole model. I mean we we leverage our entire network, both owned channels, our FAST channels, AVOD channels and even our syndication. We've got all these great relationships where a lot of them are rev share with third parties, but it's a little bit of an open pipeline which allows us to kind of publish fairly freely into it. And we we leverage that whole network um all the time to to really approach things from a franchise perspective um in fact we launched a special recently uh across our channels uh called Ryan's World Island Adventures and it just so happens to um leverage content that that Ryan and his family developed uh when they were in Hawaii um and they visited like a banana farm and in, or pineapple farm, what was it? Yeah, pineapple farm, sorry. And and we actually have Ryan branded pineapples on stores. And so there is a tremendous synergistic opportunity there. And it's been a really successful program for us. But it's just that's just one example. We're always internally looking for ways to kind of synchronize our programming, always thinking about success with the audience as kind of the North Star. Um, but you know, how can we leverage that success to help grow the other parts of the business?
1: Yeah, for us as well. Absolutely. Um, we when whenever we look at the property, we have uh, what we call our 360 wheel. Um, we have the, the various pieces of our business that need to synchronize and hold hands around that that property. Um, A good example would be strawberry shortcake, which again was a very well-known and beloved property that uh, we made available um, across all the fast channels, uh, both in the US and in Europe. And that has uh, led to development being able to get new commissions, a new iteration of the properties, which uh, uh, ended up being sold to Netflix. Um, and on top of that, the, the the views has helped sales in you know other uh, uh, companies, our our sales department selling uh, the property to other companies. Um, and then. Um, Again, we work hand in hand with our Spark business, our YouTube business out of London. We have our own uh, TV channels in Canada, which again, we worked very closely with uh and obviously the 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 cherry on the pie the the merchandising uh um and you know m n l uh campaigns around strawberry shortcake so yes one hundred percent that's one of the biggest motivation why we doing it
2: you know there's a lot of sort of delicate areas around some of this that we're you know we constantly um pay attention to in terms of making sure that content is content and commercial is commercial and I think that's a really important part of the you know, making sure that we're doing this right. And we we kind of try to set ourselves up as really being a gold standard. In fact, one of our attorneys was a lead attorney at K.R.U. So we've got like great uh, advice around that. And part of what we can do, and this is a really important part you were asking about sort of marketing and discoverability before, is work with the marketing teams at the platforms. Um, and they're always looking for, um, you know, events to uh, to promote. Uh, and sort of reasons to um, call out exceptional programming. Um, so we do seasonal specials. We do seasonal programming stunts. You know, we have our 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 video game month blocks party, we like to call it. Um, and we've got uh, where we have all this great gaming content that we put into these marathons. Similar with Halloween, we do a scream stream um, and then a jingle stream a month later, you know, and these are but working hand in hand and and each platform often has their own sort of seasonal calendars editorial calendars um, and so kind of working collaboratively with them you know we can really um check a lot of boxes we can we can get great promotion for our programming that programming can have sort of an indirect tie to some other lines of business and you know every and the audiences come and are delighted and so everybody really wins
0: absolutely well. Uh, to wrap up, so it's a win-win across the board. How do you see the next couple of years? Uh, the upside is greater than the downside on Fast Channels?
2: Oh, nothing but up, I think. Um, unless you know something I don't.
0: No, um, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think there's various
1: reasons why uh, we should be um, hopeful. Uh, not hopeful, but like um, um expect the market uh, to grow. Um, If if you think about it, in U.S. alone, which is considered the most developed uh, fast uh, market, there are still a lot of people who are not aware that that option exists uh, to begin with. There are still smart TVs to be sold. You would have you know, a lot of new manufacturers that would uh, want to sell their TVs. So that will come with uh, a new audience. The quality of the shows uh, being made available on Fast, like I mentioned before, is going to improve. So the people are going to spend more time watching, so more hours of their days uh, once they get on on Fast. And that would come really hand in hand with uh, the monetization. So the better the platforms uh, go, and I'm not talking to kids. Kids, I think, is probably not at the forefront of their thinking in terms of bigger platforms. There's still a lot of low-hanging fruits when it comes to non-kids content monetization. So, that's probably where the focus is right now. Um, So, improving the technology and uh, one of the main factors that uh, has actually uh, sold me uh, into facts initially was the fact that the views have moved into um, um, AVOD and Fast, but the advertising money still has not caught up with the amount of views that have shifted from traditional um, uh, cable TV or free TV into um, uh, Avot and Fast. So that will happen. There's a reason why there are this exponential uh, um, um, increases in at a, a dollar um, monetization. Uh, between now and 2027 i think all of that put together is uh is going to help um continuously uh strengthen, strengthen the the market
2: yeah you, you took the words out of my mouth Lara. the i think the economic piece is going to be a big part of the story in the next couple of years the traditional linear model is you know it's it's close to breaking i think when it comes to um just you know that that concentration of ad dollars in those traditional models, and um, you know it's a it's a, with a fraction of the audience that used to be there, and a lot of places are increasing their ad load on the traditional side, while the ad loads on the digital side are are decreasing or just smaller in general. And I think from a value proposition to the consumer, it's it's just getting more and more compelling to be um, in a fast environment. And um, and from an advertiser standpoint, um, and when you think about like how me- big media agencies are looking at at how they're making their investments. Um, one has to expect that there, there will be kind of a watershed moment um, in the near future and that that's going to that's really going to all boats are going to rise with that tide on the fast side. And, you know, all that that change in economics will bring great opportunities to increase our investments in these programming in this programming. And
1: um, and I think that's
2: really exciting
1: for kids specifically. um I think. You know, if you look at it, the the court cutters and court nevers uh, now represent 35 percent of the U.S. market, and that's usually the youngsters. Ninety percent of them are youngsters, so they're Gen Zs or millennials. Millennials are now having young kids, which is the exact You know uh, a target of our shows that for the most part are going to watch their content uh over internet one way or another so uh that also i think it's an element that speaks directly to our industry
2: that was the genesis of pocket watch i mean we saw basically with that the audience migration you know first to youtube and now just to streaming (laughs) in general it was so dramatic on the kids side uh, that we knew it was kind of breaking the marketing playbooks for the toy manufacturers and, and many others. Uh, and it was really keeping the kids from enjoying, you know, the, the the stars and characters that they love on YouTube anywhere else. So it was really important for us to kind of fill those gaps. And it just is a testament to how kids are really in in the front of this whole revolution.
0: And they are the consumers of tomorrow. So <laughs> they, they will, in large part, shape the media landscape. Uh, Lada, David, thank you so much for your time and the insights you provided us today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope I get a chance to speak with you again in the near future since this is all moving so fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much
1: for having us. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Be well. Bye bye. <laughs>